Hey, it's Nick. This is episode 207 of To a Certain Degree. Thank you so much for listening. Great guests, as always, on this clip show, this best of, if you will. This episode first broadcast on WPRK on November 23rd, 2020. Enjoy. Hello. You are listening to a certain degree. I'm your host, Nick Jurgudiu. This is episode 207 on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the best in basement radio, and the voice of Rollins College. This radio show gets turned into a podcast, so if you miss any episode, or if you want to hear the complete episode with any of today's guests, please visit the site to a certain degree.com or consider subscribing so you can always catch shows about some of the best people in Orlando. Who are these people? Well, for this episode, that's going to be a Kwanzaa Cadigan, Rachel Simmons, Joseph Gaddy, Sean Walsh, and to start us off, Brian and Derek Demeter. They are not only brothers. Brian is an artist. Derek is an astronomer. And it turns out they discovered those paths when they were very, very young. Yeah, I remember being in kindergarten and... Uh the teacher posted an assignment where you had to choose a, a letter from the alphabet and then make a, an animal that represented that letter. So I think I had a zebra for Z or something like that. So I just drew a zebra and I'm like, la I'm drawing a zebra. And they, she hung up, hung them all up on the board and everybody was making the biggest deal about it. So I'm looking around going like, wow, this is my superpower. So from then on, I just kept drawing and drawing and drawing and where it led, it led. It was, it was the way I got through school. <laughs> <laughs> can I draw extra credit for this book cover or so I can get, you know, pass this report? And it worked. It was like, eh, right, right. So you dazzled them with the visuals so exactly. they would be distracted from the words. Yes. Nice. Yes. Nice. Sage advice. Sage <laughs> advice. Uh, Derek, going to the planetarium when you were a kid? Yeah. So, um, so back, so so at the Shakespeare Theater, you know, you got that round theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that used to be the John Young Planetarium when the Orlando Science Center was there. So my dad took me there when I was like six years old or whatever. And they had a show about Mars that was that was narrated by Patrick Stewart. So you got Captain Picard narrating Mars. That was the first time I thought, oh, my gosh, there is this other world out there that we have no, you know, that, that, that exists beyond our own. And it just opened up this kind of pandora's box for my interest in astronomy just the fact that there's this world there's this stuff beyond our planet and you know what's out there and it just and then of course they had the telescope set up that night and so i looked look telescope they were looking at saturn you know saturn is like one of the most amazing objects to look through a telescope because it actually you know has a legit ring and it looks like what you would imagine saturn to look like and uh it was just that's it it was the started then and then and, and, and just and um the and then of course my both my parents my mom and my dad you know, uh, they fostered that for, I mean, they would take me to the Orlando Science Center volunteer when I was 13, you know, uh, we we always make the joke that because my, because uh, Brian has a son and my nephew, like, that's how you start, you know, mm -hmm. you start by young, by getting involved in all that stuff. And something, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, it just kind of, you know, trickled then. And you guys grew up uh, in Ormond or Daytona or you lived there for a while? I grew up in Ormond. Ormond Beach, when we moved uh, here to Winter Park, that was probably what I would consider Derek growing up in, because that was, how old were you when we moved? I was only like closer? four or five, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, but you were more the Ormond Beach. Yeah, it was like, uh, I think I was in like seventh grade when we moved from Ormond, so it was like a hybrid for me, but, you know, Florida, you know, central 
North Florida or whatever, whatever Volusia would be considered. Um, but relatively native to the area. Yeah. So, well, we're, okay. I was born in New Jersey, but we came down here when I was six. So it's like, you know, I, I feel like a native Floridian. Yeah. So for that matter, I mean, that's how we, how we uh, kind of do it. And I was born in this soil. So yeah, I'm, you were. In this soil? I flow grown. Well, I was, I was flow grown. I was grown here in Florida. I mean, yeah. I was born in Daytona, so. You were the yeah. first Demeter to be the first Florida. Demeter to be flow grown. <laughs> you ever seen those Great stickers that says flow grown? Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, you know, there's there's this whole there's a yeah, there's a whole Is it like flow or flaw? Uh flow, like flow Florida. I don't know. Yeah. It's F L O grown. Grown. I, when I ask people like how do you say it? It's flow grown, that's what they say. You're asking a lot of people how to say that, huh? Uh, the people that have those stickers, I look. I you know you, you got to You got to ask the you, questions. You yeah, ask yeah. Questions, man. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, to get the you answers. Gotta, you got to. Well, yeah, because that's what you're all about. So I'm a scientist. That's yeah, what I do. I gotcha. He's notorious for asking questions because we would use we would go to the air shows when we were younger, and he'd be this little kid, and he'd be like, "Dad, Dad, what is this on this plane?" And like 17 other guys that were just hungry to answer the question of what missile that was or whatever would come out of the woodwork. And just answer the question. So he always he always knew how to get his answers. Just shout the question to the air, and people will answer it. Right, because <laughs> people want to. Well, they're waiting for their turn to talk. Exactly. Yeah. So, from an art and an astronomy standpoint, have, you guys spent a lot of time together. You probably talk about this a lot. But what are the similarities that you see between the two areas? Constellations are the perfect metaphor for us. Yeah. It's like Derek. Okay, that that over there, those are some stars. That's a blue star. That's a blah 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 star. And I'm like, no man, that that's like that's like Perseus. Man, he's got like Medusa's head in his his hand and everything. Both correct answers. Right. We love it. Astronomy. I always say in my shows, astronomy is um, one of the only sciences that really connect us as humans because there's a lot of tradition to astronomy. You know, uh, the days of the week come from the planets that are visible in the sky, the constellations and their mythology, the storytelling, the predicting of of uh, the seasons off the stars. I mean, there's just there's a lot of connection to human human you know desires here on uh you know on on Earth. So. Um, that's what I love about astronomy is it connects us all, you know, and, um, you know, with art and, you know, drawings and paintings and, and uh, music and things like that. I mean, it inspires everybody. I agree. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. That was Brian Demeter and Derek Demeter from a February, 2018 interview on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. That was episode 84, as a matter of fact, of to a certain degree. Good morning. Thank you for listening. This would normally be a live show on WPRK, but unfortunately we are not able to be live in the studio right now. But if you want to listen to any of the old shows, you can go to a website called to a certain degree.com. If you want to learn more about Derek and Brian, Brian can be found on Instagram at Brian underscore Demeter. That's D E M E T E R. And Derek can be found also on Instagram at Derek the Discoverer, D-R-E-D-E-R-E-K. Let me learn how to spell. You can also learn about Derek at the Emil Bueller Planetarium at Seminole State College, where he is the director. I'm very lucky to get to talk to some of the incredible people around Orlando and in Orlando. I guess not just around Orlando. Under Orlando? No, that is the wrong preposition. And they always have something going on, so I get to re-listen to our old episodes, but then try to update 
what's going on with them right now. One such guest is Joseph Gotti. He is the artistic director of United Ballet Theater. Their first performance of the 2020-2021 season, it's hard to say, is virtual and streaming online right now. You can learn more about that at athletesofart.org. But you can learn a little more about him right now and how he got into dance in the first place. Not exactly the usual way people get into dance, as a matter of fact. My mom actually used to own a dance studio before oh, okay. me and my brother were born in New Jersey, Jersey. And um, uh, I, she, she just, I mean, even would take my father, you know, to Broadway shows. They, you know, seeing, going to the Met, seeing a performance for the first time. Yeah. You know, um, but it, he, my mom and dad like would show us always old movies growing up. So like we'd watch, I'd watch a lot of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Right. So I always, right from the beginning, I was kind of intrigued by it. Kind you of know? enamored by it. Yeah. yeah. And then I would watch huge fan of Michael Jackson growing up. His dancing is just incredible. So I would be impersonating him around mm. the house nonstop, really, it, from a young age. And then when I moved down here uh, to Florida when I was 10, um, is when I started dancing, but my mom had to bribe me. <laughs> she told me, I, I, I'll give you 20 bucks to take a class. And it wasn't even a ballet class. It was like a dance theater class. So I was okay. like, okay. And I did, and it was... For 20 bucks, for yeah. For 20 bucks. <laughs> Back in, you know, 90, 94, whenever that was. <laughs> and um, yeah, I... I I took the class, got the money, <laughs> but I, I went back again and again and it was fun and, you know, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, it's incredible, like playing sports. Yeah. Um, so you me. were still, you were still, you liked it, you enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, this is what I'm going to do yeah. for the rest of my no, life. No, I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Yet. Okay. But then there was a teacher who, who, who taught ballet and she saw me in the building and she said, oh, I love seeing, you know, new, new boys come in please, you know, come and take my ballet class. And I was like, oh, sure. And I, I went in and followed. There was like another guy in there too, mm -hmm. another boy. So it was at that age, you know, if you're the only boy, I think it's a little creepy. <laughs> it's, it's a little scary. It can it's make you feel like the other, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. So yeah. it was good to have another boy in there. And I just followed along and followed the steps. And it was okay. But I think it really, I, I stuck with it. I think the the music, the you know, musicality and, and I was I was intrigued. I was interested. Mm -hmm. And then um, we started getting, um, I would say my second year. I mean, even the first year, it was doing Party Boy in, in the Nutcracker. You know, that was a big role because that was the first role where I was on stage and I was ac actually acting, you know, being like portraying a character yeah. in, the, in the party scene. So that was really exciting for me, being on the stage with the, the the sets and the scenery and and the orchestra, and it was it was amazing. So that's what I think really kind of grabbed me in a little bit, in terms of that. And then after that, we I started getting, you know, like a male teacher, so they would teach us male steps, you know, jumps and certain things and turns, and that was really exciting. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of athletic. <laughs> so that's when I started to really get more and more interested in ballet. Yeah. So it's very interesting that it was this gradual yeah. sort of uh, take with it. Because a lot of people, you know, I think, again, w one story you hear a lot from artistic people or creatives is that, you know, it's almost this bolt of lightning or they see something and they're like, 
I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Now is the time for me to do this. Whereas it was a, it seems like a more gradual process with you. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, even like at such a young age, you may not know sure. too much, you know how it like, you want to be a fireman or whatever. But, um, yeah, it was a gradual thing. Cause you know, in ballet, you really have to start young and you kind of miss a lot of other things like, you know, college. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you go from basically, ballet school you graduate high school if or you're, you're homeschooled because mm-hmm. you want to be there all the time so you miss a lot of that you know because you're constantly there like working and training you know for for that to prepare yourself for company life so what was your path like then so you're 10 11 tw- you're taking some classes taking you start classes. really falling for it yeah yeah then what happens to you um i did my first competition after training for years um it was uh, the Youth American Grand Prix, mm-hmm. which is a big ballet competition for for students, and in, in, in it's all over the world now. This competition and the the finals are in New York, and and I won that competition back in two thousand and uh, two thousand and three. <laughs> so you were I was like eighteen, nineteen at that yeah. point. Okay, and um, that was after I just finished high school, and I got a scholarship to the Royal Ballet School in London. So I decided to go there. So that was my first time you know, away from home, being there for the whole year and studying with, you know, people I didn't know, dancers I didn't know. So mm-hmm. it was a whole new thing for me. And being able to watch the Royal Ballet live, yeah, being a part of that was huge. On rehearse and oh, everything else, awesome. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing like that. So you still went to high school? Yep. And Dr. Phillips High School. Okay. Yeah. And so kind of an artsy high school for the most part. It, it is, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Were you still like, oh, should I, I wonder if I'm going to go to college or I'm going to continue pursuing dance at that point? Yeah, I might have, it might have. Or whatever you were going to, sorry, I didn't mean to say that you have to go to college. Obviously, you finish high school and do something else. But I definitely was thinking of that. Yeah. yeah. It it crossed my mind. What is your next step? Exactly. It wasn't like, oh no, 100% dance all the way. Exactly. Okay. But once I did, I think that first competition and got that scholarship, I knew that that was going to help launch me into the professional ballet company life, mm-hmm. you know, being seen already and winning that, that first place award at the YGP. And because a lot of directors from different companies go to see those shows and, and are grabbing, you know, students that graduated to be a part of their company or stuff like that. Are there a lot of those competitions? Is that a common thing where yeah, professional ballet, com- uh, uh, ballet for, for ballet dancers that, yeah. cause there's a lot of different, there's commercial dance for, you know, like, so you think you can dance and things like that, yep. there's, you know, but then you have ballet competitions, which is for ultimately for getting a job and getting seen to so be So these are tryouts company. basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can in say many that. Ways. Yeah. Cause you can, you can either, you either go to a, a company, you know, send in your resume and, and your, you know, photos, and then they invite you to take class and then that art, that director, Ballet master will watch you take class and see if you, you know, if you're good enough. Yeah, for that yeah. company, or they, that's what they're looking for. That's interesting because you know. that's very different than the theater community, which is you would have somebody come in, uh, and their interview would actually be them doing a reading or something like that. Yeah, and saying that, but um, yeah, in some cases you do have uh, the theater groups that are doing classes as well. Mm-hmm. But in many cases, uh, yeah, it sounds like the ballet company is a little bit different. Yeah, our or reading is like the class, yeah. basically. Like you taking class at a company and, and then the director or somebody from the, the artistic staff watching. I mean, 
sadly, sometimes no one comes to watch. So you, it's really crazy. You go and you pay for a flight, you pay for a ticket, you pay for a hotel, you go there. And then, and they, they want you to come and then no and one. Do the, and do the class? And do the class and then no one shows up. It's happened before. It's, it stinks. A lot of my friends and who are always, you know, looking for work. So you, it's like, you know, money, you're wasting money. So you, and nobody came to your audition. Basically. Yeah, it's, it's happened for wow, sure. Wow, okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. It's, <laughs> so you got, you were able to showcase your talent. You won this event. You went to London. Mm -hmm. So you lived over there for how long? It was a year and I okay. graduated that year. Yeah. Cause they have different levels obviously at the Royal Ballet School and they accepted me for the, the third year, which is the final graduation year. Oh wow. So, so they said that, okay, you're already at this level. Mm -hmm. You don't need to start. You essentially have your AA in dance. Mm -hmm. So you could just do the final yeah. part of it. Exactly. I was oh, fortunate okay. to get a yeah. scholarship and then having that in my resume is, is just, it's wonderful. And not just that, but the experience there. Of course. The yeah. But it was, yeah, it was fun. I wish I, I went a little earlier. Honestly, it was just, it's that thing where, you know, you go away for the first time and you know, that half a year was a little, you really miss home. But the then first after half, that, yeah. you really realize, you know, the whole meaning of why you're there and how much you've learned. So it's great. One being one of the older students, you could buy beer for everybody is <laughs> yeah. probably pretty well, great. Well, London, you know, it's 18, yeah. so right. <laughs> it's different. So yeah. different. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'm sure you never got into any trouble over there. It was no, fine. It was fine. Trouble. London authorities, <laughs> if you're listening, which they are. They're big listeners. <laughs> you're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick Chargudiu. That was Joseph Gotti from a July 2019 interview on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You can follow Joseph at Ballet Gotti, that's G-A-T-T-I, on the Instagram. Learn more about what is going on with United Ballet Theater as well at athletesofart.org. Thank you so much for listening to A Certain Degree, to a show called To A Certain Degree. I'm still working out exactly how that should be. Four years, four and a half years in, I'm still working out the nuances of the name of the show that I host. Oh boy. I really appreciate you listening though and sticking with it while we're not live on the air, but going back and looking for little nuggets of interestingness, of insight, and just the genius of the people from Orlando. And I really appreciate you being part of that search. To, don't really have to search that hard. Let's talk to one such genius. Sean Walsh was on the show back in November 2017. The salad days, I guess. I'm not sure how much salad I had. Episode 73. You know Sean probably as the purveyor and the person behind, the artist behind Secret Society Goods. And like with all people I admire, I want to know that they have the same issue that I have, that sometimes they're not always quite secure in their artistic endeavors. You're a graphic designer. Uh, you're an artist for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Uh, and my guess is you're always confident about every decision that you make. You're never full of doubt. Whoa. You always feel <laughs> like you're putting out your best work. Right. Is that correct? I mean, yeah. Yes and no. Uh, man. This is a real struggle. <laughs> so the reason I bring that up is because I feel like anybody who's self-aware and anybody who's creative and anybody who's good at it 
has that, okay, is this any good? Am I doing the right thing? Whether it's the photos you're taking for Instagram, whether it's the designs of the pins that you're doing, you know, is this my best work? And what I was wondering is, do you ever, uh, this was a problem that I'm still overcoming, and that's one of the reasons I do this show when I do the bad business ideas segment, is I always felt like I was holding back on what I thought were my best ideas because I wanted to, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep developing it, and it's going to be great, and then I'll release it to the world, but I won't get anybody's opinion on it first. Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, you know, I will say I'm, I'm having a blast Mm-hmm. I'm having a great time. I mean, Secret Society has has become such a huge part of my life and connected me to the to the community in ways that I never thought possible. So I am I absolutely 100% certain that it was the right idea to start the business. And, you know, I think I'd be able to tell if I were making bad choices. I mean, the response to everything has been overwhelmingly positive and the, the love around it has, has just, I mean, continues to astound me and is so gratifying that I, I definitely feel like it's the right track. So in that sense, yeah, feeling feeling confident about yeah. it. But I mean, you know, are there moments where I'm working on a project or a sketch or something and you just kind of go, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm this is terrible. I'm a fraud. <laughs> you know, I should just quit. There's every I feel like everybody has those moments or yeah. maybe not. I don't know. But it's it's definitely something that I have learned to manage um, because, you know what, I, I think part of it is just doing what you like to do with confidence. And um, I, I think that comes across like mm-hmm. if you truly care about what you're doing and it'll be in the details and in the quality and in the photos and in the products, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that I've always said whenever I've given any kind of interview or blurb to anybody, the biggest takeaway from my work is that I want people to be I want people to be able to look at my work and say, the person that made this really cares about this and really put some thought into it. And if if that's coming across, then I feel good. You know, I feel like I'm doing my job. Well, I think that it it doubly for some people who know that you're essentially a one man shop, right? Like you're doing this more or less on your own. Yeah. I, and I bribe so, helpers occasionally. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure to pack and to send stuff out yeah. and to do all those things. But for the most part, like, that's even more impressive that you're doing this all on your own and you're you're just retaining that high level and high quality of work. So I think that's pretty interesting as well because the other thing that struck me is you're not looking to create something, or at least right now uh, with Secret Society Good, you're not looking to create something that's going to be mass produced it is going to be small batches it is going to be very exclusive to an extent and that's what you're looking to do yeah i think you know it's definitely not the next kid robot or anything like that and i don't know that i would ever want it to be you know like with so many things i think once you get past a certain point of you know like it being going from something that is like small and and loved over and done sort of like painstakingly uh, when you get to a point that it's being mass produced and you can tell that it's being mass produced. Right. I think it loses something. Well, um, and, and then for you, it just becomes a job at that point. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I don't want to grow. Like I always want to be growing and you know, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to, you know, like what that looks like for me it has been a topic of conversation 
um, between like m- m- myself and my partner, you know, like, what do I want to do with this? What mm-hmm. are the, what's the goal? Um, I find that I have trouble coming up with like a great answer to that question that satisfies both myself and the listener. But, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want it to like become some insane blown up thing. I love that it is, it's a very Orlando thing mm-hmm. and a very Florida thing. Um, but also broad enough to appeal to other people. We get orders from all over, I would imagine. Yeah, and that's crazy. Like, when I see that someone from Australia wants something um, sent to them, and they're, you know, that overseas shipping, let me tell you. I mean, I'm always like, (laughs) okay. Very convenient. Bless you. (laughs) But, uh, you know what really, this might be a side note here, but what really gets to me is when people who no longer live in Orlando are ordering the Orlando like patches or the Orlando pins because it's saying, you know, there is a fondness for the city that goes beyond the people that are, that are living here currently. Right. Like people have, that means that says to me, uh, someone left and they want to, they want a piece of the city to remember it by. They're still proud of it. They're not escaping. Like, yeah, I feel like a lot of my friends and peers wanted to escape here because oh, they yeah. didn't feel like it was creative enough or they didn't feel like there was enough culture or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. That was the vibe. Yeah. For, heavily, I think, for a while. Um, I've been here, gosh, it's like nine nine or ten years, 2008. Mm, so ten years next year. Yeah. And even since I've been here, I mean, I went from being uh, a college student at UCF, uh, go Knights, and, uh, you know, I was thinking like, okay, well, I'm here for now and I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here. And I didn't live on the UCF side of town. I lived over in College Park. So I felt like I got to see a side of Orlando that most people, you know, weren't really privy to that, that didn't, that were just sort of passing through or maybe just went going to college. But, um, you know, even since then, I feel like the attitude has changed. It's like, okay, but you know, if we don't leave, we can do the things we wanted to do somewhere else here. Right. And, you know, I think in in some way, I mean, Orlando is a is a large metropolitan area, but the community is very small and tight knit. And I mean, it's amazing how many people know each other, um, but even just, you know, like dipping a toe into what I've been doing. I feel like it's it's crazy to see how everyone is connected. You're listening to a certain degree. That was Sean Walsh of Secret Society Goods. You can find more about that organization at secretsocietygoods.com. If for no other reason than to get a RIP 2020 hat, you should go visit that site. Good morning. My name is Nick Jorgudiu. You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Normally a live show with one, maybe two guests at a time. Currently, we're doing a clip show because right now we're not doing volunteers at the WPRK studios to keep everybody safe. And we all really appreciate that. So looking back at some of these past episodes, I try to find people I like, people I admire, and to kind of go with the theme that Sean was just talking about, about community and connections. Let's talk to Rachel Simmons, a teacher, an instructor, a professor at Rollins College about the connections that she made that brought her to Rollins College. The reason I came here is because my high school art teacher was a Rollins graduate. Oh, okay. So um, she talked to me about Rollins um, my whole senior year of high school, maybe even before then, actually. 
And she was like, look, you could go to an art school, but you won't necessarily learn, you know, how to be a good public speaker or uh, be a good writer or um, you won't learn a lot about other things, perhaps, at just an art school. And she, I think she saw in me that I had a lot of curiosity about the world. So uh, my dad took me on a tour of Rollins. And, um, and this is when you guys were out in California or were you No, I've lived in uh, Florida since I was five. Oh, so okay. we um, lived in Tampa, Tampa Bay. And um, then we moved a little further south to Bradenton. Mm -hmm. So this high school art teacher was um, a woman who was teaching in Bradenton, Florida. And uh, anyway... I, when I came to Rollins, I thought, like a lot of our students do, we thought, I thought, oh, this place is gorgeous. It's pretty cool. It's like a small little village of its own, mm -hmm. like a community. Um, but when I got here, um, I think I did the high school art star thing, which I've seen a lot since I teach here, where I was like, yeah, I don't, I shouldn't really have to work too hard at this art thing. This should be pretty easy for me. And uh, I got a good wake-up call from my professor who was from uh, Bosnia. And she was like, uh, no, we'll be having none of this high school art star stuff. <laughs> like, you will actually go and work hard on things and try. And so I did after that. Um, but I had so many interests at Rollins. Yeah. And um, I got into the honors program, which I didn't even know existed until I got here. And then they invited me. And that changed everything. I was so curious about the world. Um, and so the honors program was a way for me to learn about psychology and history and politics and, um, sociology and, and art and philosophy and pull that all into the same discussion in the same class. So we had this really cool class about memory. Mm -hmm. Um, and I still te teach or infuse memory into my classes to this day. Cause I just think it's a really fascinating topic, like how memory shapes us, how it helps us. Um, figure out who we are or who we were uh, or who we might be in the future. Um, and so classes like that where we got to read um, all kinds of texts from people from a wide variety of fields like Oliver Sacks who studied, you know, people with um, disorders, disorders of the mind um, and, and memory disorders in particular. And then we would read, you know, um, literature um, and autobiography about memory and so uh, just thinking about something from a number of disciplinary viewpoints has always been something I've really been interested in mm -hmm. and got to do at Rollins. And when I got to art school, I realized what a weird artist it had made me. <laughs> well, and that's where I, so let's talk a little bit about that, because I think there's always that sort of, well, you want an interdisciplinary background. You want to learn a lot yeah. of subjects. You want to do all that. And that'll influence you and make you a better person. Yeah. So let's talk about you specifically. Mm -hmm. How did that make you or how did that affect your art? Mm -hmm. And how did that affect you as an artist? Well, I think um, one of the things um, was that it gave me the, the tools to go out and research something that I was interested in, whether mm -hmm. or not it was something I knew about previously or not. Um, so when I was in graduate school. Um, at LSU? Yeah, at LSU. Yeah, I was I was already able to sort of go out and research a topic and pull it into my work um, in a way that was pretty fluid for me. Um, and even though in graduate school I focused much more on um, abstract work, uh, I wasn't doing the work that I'm doing now about the environment. Um, 
I still felt like I could bounce around um, and not just within like the content or the or, or the idea of the work, but also in making the work. Mm-hmm. In fact, my thesis advisor was like, why don't you just, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like scurry off to the sculpture studio and I'd be pouring aluminum sculptures and, and building boxes. And then I'd scurry off to the print shop and I'd be printing all these things. And, and my advisor was like, you know, you're in the painting and drawing department. Like maybe <laughs> you should make some paintings and drawings. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm being stifled. You know, I was just like not used to that because at Rollins I could sort of bounce around and sure and feed my various interests and cobble things together and do all this mixed media stuff. So, um, so how did you handle that? How did you? What did I, you he was doing? such a great guy, and I was oh, like, okay. Um, yeah, okay. Like I was so resistant to it. <laughs> like uh, I don't like being told what to do in any way, shape, or form. Uh, that's good. That's good as a teacher. It's then. so, yeah. yeah, why I have the job I have because <laughs> I've been fired from other jobs. <laughs> just So anyway, I, 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 he was really coming at it from a place of trying to help me, you know, get through my master's program. And I was like, yeah, okay, I get that. Like, it's yeah. okay to concentrate on one thing for a while and try to be better at that thing. You know, you can always move on to another thing later. But, you know, tr- like, I'm a sort of... um Jane of all trades, master of none kind of person. Like mm-hmm. I'm always interested in learning something new. Um, well, and did the MFA, uh, um, I've always been curious about this from a master's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, even though it was in painting and drawing, mm-hmm. did it give you some of the tools you needed to do stuff in other uh, media or mediums? Well, it's interesting. The MFA has really shifted over the last 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. So traditionally it would be like drill drill down into this one particular medium right. and get really good at it. And and within, you know, your medium, maybe you really specialize in, you know, working with this, you know, maybe you just specialize in oil painting on this surface for whatever, three years. Um, but now MFA programs are much more interdisciplinary. Um, so in, in fact, I was kind of an oddball artist when I started graduate school 20 years ago, but now... Every artist is really doing these we'll this interdisciplinary, yeah. multi-dis. You know, artists are like partnering with people outside of the arts, and we're making work about social issues. And we we might be making work uh, uh, that's not even like rooted in real objects. We might just be making work that's about discussing issues with people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a whole kind of wide open sense, a really exciting sense of being able to do whatever you want as an artist and call it your practice, uh, which is so confusing for people who are trying to understand what artists do. But uh, I guess we like confusing people or we don't really care. I mean, that's that's part of it. That's the byproduct. Yeah. You will not be confused, nor will you be disappointed if you follow Rachel Simmons on Instagram. Her handle is bear with jetpack, B-E-A-R, like the animal. Rachel Simmons from a June 2017 interview on WPRK. That was episode 44, way back in the day. You can also learn more about Rachel Simmons at rachelsimmons.net, S-I-M-M-O-N-S.net. And if you want to check out some of her products, I would encourage you to do that because since 2017, she started up a comic book with her hedgehog, Peaches. It's called Peaches the Hedgehog. And you can find that at 
her website as well if you so choose. My name is Nick Chargudiu. You're listening to A Certain Degree. That's it for this episode number 207. If you missed any of it or if you want the full interviews with all of my amazing guests today, that they, they were Brian and Derek Demeter, Joseph Gotti, Sean Walsh, and Rachel Simmons. You can find that at toacertaindegree.com. You can subscribe to the show if you choose to. Wherever you get your podcast, it should be there to a certain degree. No, that's the name of the show. It's not there to a certain degree. It's very confusing when I say this out loud. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you and have a lovely day.